and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. T-minus three hours and counting down on the Home Run Derby live on Sportsnet. This is Tim and Friends for Monday, July 18th. And before you say, wall on, all-star break in baseball means sports slows down. We still have Nazem Kadri on the open market, some legit Pierre-Luc Dubois rumors, and never forget Sid and I used to fight to take this week off because nothing historically happens during the all-star break in baseball. Until four years ago today, I was in Santa Cruz, California. Nice. Vac- it was nice. It was yeah. actually really nice. Vacationing with the there's a pier there, and they have like a little carnival on the pier in Santa Cruz. Plus all the skateboarding. I've I don't seen know if you remember this. Oh, yeah. wonderful! Yeah. I was vacationing with the family, Santa Cruz, California, four years ago today. When my phone, <laughs> must <be nice. laughs> the must be nice, will be applied to something like you didn't go on a golf vacation with the family. That's right. Yeah, there are That's some right. perks to this job yeah. for all of us. Yeah. Uh, phone started buzzing 5 a.m. Pacific time in Santa Cruz, California, because Adrian Wojnarowski dropped this Woj bomb four years ago today. Toronto has reached an agreement in principle to acquire San Antonio's Kawhi Leonard for a package that includes DeMar DeRozan league sources. Tell ESPN trade is larger on both sides and players are still being informed of their inclusion in the deal. Trade call league. Wait a second here. One of the biggest trades in Toronto sports history, dare I say Canadian sports history, but we all know Gretzky's at the top of that. And then we work our way down. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. If you were wondering what my response was in my gitch at around 6 a.m. Pacific time in California, here's what I said. One, DeMar DeRozan was great for and to the city of Toronto and the country of Canada, full stop. And I added the don't worry, I got us tweet. I added to it the following, separating passion from facts Here is why DeMar DeRozan was dealt over the last five seasons. DeRozan's numbers in the playoffs all went down. Points per game, rebounds per game, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, assists per game, and per. And then I added the DeRozan salary because Kawhi had one year left on his deal, and if it had fallen apart, then Masai had the ability to rebuild. Uh, Do you remember your reaction to the DeMar deal? My jaw dropped. I got it, Jesse. I went to your Twitter account and I found what Jesse Rubinoff had to say the day DeMar DeRozan was dealt. And here's what it says. It's okay to love DeMar DeRozan, but still think the Raptors made a good basketball trade at the same time. I said that? (laughs) Wow. That's intelligent. That's a Twitter, uh, Twitter search uh, uh, function there. Yeah. What do you use, like a you tweet like tag or something? Oh, uh, yeah, I know. You can find it very wow. easily, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like that. I like that take. That's a pretty decent take. That worked out. 
That worked out without yeah. a doubt. Like my, my point here is, sort of yours, by the way. is not, hey, we know our stuff and that's why you watch the show. But a good side point. <laughs> point is, <laughs> you never know what can happen even on the lightest of all sporting days. So stick around. We've got a show for you. Shai Davidi from Dodger Stadium ahead of the Home Run Derby. The man who broke the Juan Soto turning down $440 million news. Can, that's the must be nice that sits over there. Being able to turn down $440 40 million dollars in guaranteed money <laughs> so that, good. that must be nice the marquee is just perfect today <laughs> yeah it is oh, well done and james sharman on a big day in canadian soccer on several different fronts add the plays of the week all coming up and i think we got a show but we kick off the festivities as we always do with ruby and first things first if we discuss as we discuss the top stories of the day i'll take the news for a nickel dick trickle First things first. First. He was a NASCAR driver. Oh, it's his real name. Uh, I'm not making it up. Well, it was it, actually, it was an ESPN thing. They would always update where Dick Trickle was in the standings. Dick Trickle. Yeah, yeah. it's a tough gig. Yeah. The, that's, that's one of the toughest handles of all time in sports. Dick Trickle. Well, if you, I feel like if you embrace it, you can make a thing of it. <laughs> Sorry, if you embrace Dick Trickle, of course. Yeah, no, I think I think if you embrace Dick Trickle, you are in a good spot. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. good. Uh, that's enough. Yeah. Keep it together over there. Uh, I mean, the Kawhi trade. I mean, you never know. Kevin Durant could get dealt here today. Oh, without a doubt. That's still. Uh, yeah, no, that's part. I mean, would it be? I don't know. Fitting that the four days later. Four days later. Four years later. Long time ago. It's crazy. Four years. That's I can't crazy. Believe, yeah, I can't believe it was four years ago. But it, forget Dick Trickle for a second. Yeah. There's hard, no hard way that four years to the day Kawhi got dealt to Toronto that Kevin Durant gets dealt to Toronto. Probably not, but you never know. People are, people are up in arms. Well, I guess they're not up in arms because apparently the Raptors don't want to deal Scotty Barnes for Kevin Durant, which I guess is... We call him future Hall of Famer, so would make sense you, would you do here, here's here's um, and my take has been I've said it a couple times in the show I'll reiterate it just I'm not assuming everyone watched the show every day but my take on this has always been Masai is looming because he understands that there's no leverage for Brooklyn right now yeah and he might be able to swing a deal without giving up what he wants to give up which is probably Scotty Barnes right yeah. oh yeah so I think that like listen Brooklyn's finding out this deal is way harder to make than they initially thought, and they're not going to get near as much as they initially thought. No. And the money. Would you put Scotty in the deal? If it was one for one, I would do it, but you can't do it because of the money. Right. Right? So you'd, get a, you'd have to include other core one pieces, OG, con, yeah. Gary Trent, and then the three of them plus probably picks. I mean, it's just too much. Yeah. And it's then you'd be left much. with nothing. Yeah. That's but so if hard. it was Pascal and OG. I would do that. You asked me that on Friday. Yeah. I, I would do that. I think if it's Pascal and Gary Trent Jr., I'd do it. If it's Pascal and OG, it depends on how many picks we're in. So, so hypothetically, I know this is not the case, but if it was just Scotty and just one for one, it can't happen, obviously. But if it I was Scotty one for one, like then you have a championship window of, of four years. A couple years, yeah. And you're title favorites, probably. Yeah, and you think of the top line, you know, the front yeah. line, and you think of what they have. Yeah, no, I, I, I would do that. That was a nice little uh, appetizer for first things first. Four there. years ago today, Love the Kawhi deal. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps something happens today with Kevin Durant. Yes. I don't know if it happens to the Raptors, but we're in there. It's uh, not really a, a slow day when you consider we have an all-star festivity tonight in the home run derby. Uh, six Blue Jays were voted 
or selected to the American League team, but George Springer won't be taking part in the festivities in Los Angeles. It all starts with the aforementioned home run derby tonight at 8 Eastern on Sportsnet after a tumultuous couple of weeks. The Jays head into the break having won five of the last six. Hey, how would you assess their first half to me? All right, let's separate uh, five and one over the last week and one and nine heading into that last week and just say the Toronto Blue Jays season to this point is inconsistent. And that inconsistency cost their manager his job. Listen, you have to be pretty good. It'd be a pretty good team for folks to be tweeting rock bottom and you still be in a playoff spot. And I saw that after the one and nine spurt I saw that after the tough road trip rock bottom and all I thought was you got to be a good team for people to be tweeting that so mm -hmm. that's worth mentioning here but I think the mandate from the front office was clear that there are now expectations and accountability and make no mistake when brass fires a manager they know that if the results don't start coming people are going to look at them next so it is officially go time for this version of the Toronto Blue Jays. I think this team is good, not quite good enough to win the division. And kind of shocked that we are here 93 games into the season with basically the same weaknesses that we pointed out to start the year. A thin bullpen, mm -hmm. an unbalanced lineup, and like everyone else, so I'm not suggesting they're any different, a lack of organizational depth at starter. Most teams have that. And I think those expectations and accountability are on Shapiro and Atkins as well to get help soon, if not now. I'll say this. They have yet to get everyone going at the same time. And they're 50 and 43. Six all-stars on the team. If things start clicking like they did in the second half last year, let's not forget their record at the all-star break last year, worse than it is this year, we might start seeing what all the hype was about in a hurry but if you're asking me what I take away from 50 and 43 inconsistent at best and needs to be improved totally uh, you, you hit the nail on the head and I think one of the things that um, you look at the bullpen this homestand was better but do you read how much do you read into going yeah. up against a team like the Kansas City Royals like do they still need to make uh, adjustments and, and address that situation because it has been a weakness throughout the season if you take away this previous homestand against a substandard Kansas City Royals team. Like, they got to make moves still, right? I'm going to one of my old favorites. The difference between good and great is consistency. Mm -hmm. The reason why they haven't been consistent in that bullpen is because they're not good enough. Yeah. You need more help. That's literally, for me, the difference between good and great is consistency. And this team is good. They're not quite great yet. So you got to add pieces to help them be great. Could they go on a run? Could they? I mean, listen, if the starters get going here, yeah. which we have seen at various times this year, the starters actually go, they could steal a series or two when it matters most mm -hmm. against really good teams. That could happen with this lineup and that starting pitching. But if you want to be good, really good to great, you've got to get better bullpen pieces and maybe some balance to throw off. It's crazy, though. The lefties are going good against the Jays anyway. Yeah. Right? So you want that, that yeah. you want that balanced lineup, and yet the lefties are still <laughs> a right-handed dominating lineup, and the Jays still have problems with lefties for some reason. Yeah, it's very strange. Maybe because they never see them. Probably. Yeah. Uh, so they, they got some victories against the Kansas City Royals, and um, I guess the home run jacket and the uh, celebrations post-game have been a talking point among the Jays fan base for quite some time now, but it came to a bit of a head on Saturday when Steve Simmons tweeted, 
after the walk-off win. Essentially, the Blue Jays came from behind and beat a minor league version of the Kansas City Royals today, and they celebrated like they won the World Series. This is a team in need of some perspective. Uh, I guess there were fans on both sides, but... Uh, he got ratioed. He got that, right? ratioed pretty hard for that one. And that's an old school versus new school thing, right? Like, I think we've just... like I, I feel like I'm a bridge from old school. I have some old school tendencies, <laughs> and I have some new school vibes. That's what I am. That's what this show is, hopefully. We, we understand the old school. We also understand the new school, and we try and find something in the middle. Like, it was a pretty tough week for a team, right? Like, you had... The death of the family member of one of your family. You had a manager fired who, by most accounts, everyone loved in that room. Mm -hmm. And to have a good moment kind of raked over the coals because of everything else that was going on felt to me to be a little nitpicky at best and probably insensitive at worst. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing is they have been celebrating like that for, for all wins, right? Like, it hasn't been anything, that wasn't anything different than what they've done over the course of the season. And I think when they lose, people tend to talk about that more. Same with the home run jacket. Same with the home run jacket. Like, you, we talked about this last yeah. week before the Royals came into yeah. town, right? It was, what's going on with the home run jacket? Maybe John Schneider needs to pull the plug on that. So when they lose, these things look amateur. But with, when they win, they're just a team having fun. Well, and this isn't going to change. They have to win for the walk-offs. For the walk-off specifically, yeah, they, <laughs> and for the, the, the showers have, at the end. But like, yeah. welcome to 2022. No, like every team that yeah. wins in walk-off variety yeah. has some sort the of Cowboy celebration with the Angels, it, the chain with the Orioles. Like we talked about that. I mean, the walk-offs. Or the walk-offs. Yeah, yeah. the walk-offs. Yeah. That's why the timing. Every team of, The timing of the tweet in that everyone sense. Everyone has a home run jacket. Yeah. Everyone has a shopping cart. Everyone has a chain, and everyone has a walk-off celebration. Yeah. Like welcome to 2020. I don't know what you're, what you're supposed to do. This is just what you, you do. Off. Just walk to the clubhouse, I guess. <laughs> just go make yeah, a beeline. It's like a Paul Brown quote: "When you win, say nothing. When you lose, say less." Right. That's like the old school mentality. Yes. When you win, say nothing. I don't uh, agree with it. And I have a lot of old, you know this, I have a lot of old school in me. I don't agree with that. When you win, have fun. You're in the majority there. Uh, speaking of winning, imagine being able to decline $440 million. Because oh, uh, Juan Soto, who will be taking part in tonight's home run derby, is going to be one of the most talked about players this week when he's there. Because according to reports, Soto turned down a 15-year $440 million extension, and the Nationals are now willing to listen to offers for the 23-year-old superstar. What do you think it would take to get Juan oh Soto? one-for-one uh, one Shohei Otani. I mean, that's not the craziest <laughs> thing. It is the craziest thing. It doesn't help either team. Uh, well, it helps the Angels if Shohei leaves, which... It it helps the Angels if Shohei leaves. If you have Soto's under contract for two and a half more years, Shohei is at the end of next year. Yeah, but it doesn't help the... You think Soto would put them over the top? No. No. Just, just, it's just uh, basically accepting that, that you suck with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. No, you're saying that Soto's worth more than Otani. I'll listen to that. Yeah, probably. Just by age alone. Okay, let's break down this Soto because that, that deal's not going to happen. So Could be that, for Trout. What about Trout? One for one. <laughs> How does that help a team in the Washington Nationals? It doesn't. It no, doesn't. it doesn't. No, so let's not play this game yeah. because it's irrelevant. It won't happen. Yeah. The Nationals aren't good enough. The point of trading them is they prospects. basically completely rebuild yes. and get prospects. Yes. So no Trout, no Tony. Let's not do this. I yield my time on what it would cost to the experts on the matter. Like, 
This one's huge, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. How huge? Friend of the show, Jeff Passan, says the biggest trade package ever. Mm. A Herschel Walker type deal. For the kids who don't get that reference, the Cowboys traded this franchise running back, Herschel Walker, who now does other things, uh, to the Vikings <laughs> in 1989 for five players and eight draft picks, including conditional picks. The Cowboys used these picks to select guys like Emmett Smith, Russell Maryland, Darren Woodson, and <laughs> Kevin Smith, among seen. other. It is. It's crazy, but. Soto's only eligible for free agency in 2024, as Jesse was mentioning. So you would get a couple years and a half of control if you made this deal before this deadline. Like, if you're making a deal like this, you have to know that you would be able to secure him long term. Or, mm -hmm. and hear me out on this one, Jesse, or be able to trade him for almost as much a year or a year and a half down the road. Could that happen? Could someone trade for him now with the investment opportunity that you might be able to trade if you can't get him signed long term, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that you might be able to trade him and recoup some of what you gave up? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, it's probably going to be, what, fifty between 50 and 75% of what you gave up originally be just because of the window, right? Like, if, Unless you can get a guarantee that he would then sign a longer term deal with the team right. that he would be traded to the, the second time because he'd be more of a rental at that at that point. So automatically you're driving down the price a little bit. Right. Um, I, I went to. Uh, do you know? Do you know why I brought that up? Why? Let me just throw that yeah, out there yeah, before go you go to the others. Yeah. As I get a text because I didn't mute my microphone. Sorry. That's okay. You're, you don't. You're not a vibrate person. Uh, I usually am, but I. Yeah. Sorry. What? Oh God, that's twice today. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> what a start. <clears throat> Sebi. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I usually put my phone on silent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I, I, the weekend I usually I, I turn it back I'm on. I'm not sure. I, yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm listening. I heard the Rays. The Rays. And I heard Ken Rosenthal, who's going to join us a little later on, bring up the Rays. They have the prospect capital. Cause always. Because they, they always, always do. do. Yeah. And they have a window where a guy like Juan Soto could put them over the top. Could they deal for him mm -hmm. and then flip him if they can't get him signed long term, which is probably 100%. And offense has been their issue right. this season. So you get Juan Soto in that lineup, you're a World Series threat, to say the least. Um, Andy McCullough on The Athletic uh, wrote an article kind of kicking around different teams that could be looking at a potential Juan Soto deal, and the Toronto Blue Jays were one of those teams. Here is who he suggested the haul would be. Lourdes Goriel Jr., Kevin Biggio, Gabriel Moreno, Ricky Tiedemann, Jordan Groshans, Aurelvis Martinez, and Nate Pearson. So just to be clear, that is the four top prospects in the Blue Jays' farm system, and Nate Pearson obviously having injury issues, but a tantalizing talent nonetheless, and two regulars in the lineup in Guriel and Biggio, would you do that deal if you're the Toronto Blue Jays? <laughs> this is a good one. That is so tough. Guriel, Let Biggio. me ask you this question. Yeah. Do you think can afford to pay Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Juan Soto, along with whatever Alec Manoa becomes, though he is a few years away from where you really have to pay him. Because that's the question, right? Like, if you could keep 
the ch- like a, the championship window open for a long like these are all young players that you mm-hmm. would still have on the team and seemingly but can you afford a roster with those three guys and then whatever you would need pitching wise I mean it's a ton it's a ton of money but you're a, a major threat for a long time with Juan Soto in the lineup and that core is still intact because none of those guys, let's face it, none of those guys right now, other than Guriel and, and Biggio, who obviously I think you would be willing then, to part ways with, none of them are in the lineup right now. But then you can't augment your roster because you've got nothing. Like, you would have, you have to nothing. develop a lot of pitching. you got to go back to the drawing board. I mean, they did draft like, It took pitch. years they for did. them to build up this farm system. Years. Like, when, when Atkins and Shapiro took over, they had just made the playoffs, and the, the, it was bare. The shelf was bare. Correct. You would have to spend years building it back up. But... Do you think that you would win? And if and if you think you have a very very no, good no, chance I, of winning, no, I think I think the the question that I asked ten seconds ago: Can you, can afford, you afford to it? keep it? I mean, and then can you win? Because if you can't afford to keep it, then you're not doing it. I, that is a question not for me. I cannot answer that. That's a lot, of, and I know a lot of fans will just go, "Whatever, it's not my money, spend it." But I just don't know that Rogers could do that. That's five hundred million the point. on one. Probably, if you re-sign him, on one player. Yeah, but what do you think? If he's getting $500 million, what do you think Vladimir Guerrero is getting? Yeah, so that's basically a billion dollars on two guys. On two guys. It, would that be the biggest payroll of all time? <laughs> like, a billion dollars on course, two guys? Of course it would be. Oh, my goodness. Of course it would be. And listen, I don't know if Vladdy gets that. I don't know where you're ending up. I, don't, I think it's a shorter-term deal so that they can get back to free agency. Right. Like, I think there's a bunch of things that are going on here. And Soto doesn't want, like, the 15 years ties up two years of arbitration. I know I'm getting nerdy here, but you're tying it's up important. two years yeah. of uh, arbitration in that 15-year extension, right? Mm-hmm. And you're still under $30 million. Like, by the time that thing hits 10 years down the road, $30 million with all the inflation that we're seeing right now and with the way that prices have gone up on players. It's an excellent point. Right. Like it's all of a sudden that will become value down the road and Juan Soto knows it. So he might say, sign me to an eight-year deal at an average annual value of $35 million, and mm-hmm. I'm good because I know I might be able to get one more when I'm 31. He's only 23 years old. Right? Yeah. What, what was the, what was the stat uh, about the annual average? I have it here. 29.3 million per season would rank him 15th among 2022 right. salaries. Right. So when you think about it that way, it's maybe not that crazy. Do you know that there are 12 players in the futures game that are older than Juan Soto? It's absolutely insane. That's insane. I mean, that that tells you right there that he's a known commodity. He's still a prospect. Silver slugger. Yeah. Uh, okay, we were going to do a match Two game, but I, I went too long here, so we're going to go to golf. Uh, but go to Twitter and check out the match game and Instagram, and we will have your responses a little bit later in the show. To golf we go. Cam Smith spoiled the party at St. Andrews on Sunday with a final round 64 to beat crowd favorite Rory McIlroy and win the British Open, which we can now call it that because Tiger did last week. Was that more a case of Smith winning it or Rory losing it? Let's be honest. It was a historic ending to a historic championship. He had a record-setting back nine where he shot third. Like, even if it's easier to play from behind in a major championship, 
Cam Smith won that tournament, right? Like, maybe it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, but when you shoot 30 on the back nine and even shoot 30, post a 20 under par, major championship record, and are as good with the flat stick as this dude was repeatedly on the back nine, you won it, okay? But Rory struggled. We understand that Rory struggled, and I get the idea of the winning it versus losing it, and so many people want to point to people losing it, but I absolutely love Rory McIlroy, and here's why I love Rory McIlroy, because he sat there and he answered every single question that every reporter, he went and did the rounds, he understood what this meant in this moment especially, and even though he hasn't won a major championship in a long time, he just wins some, lose some, and had the brave face on even though when he left all of those rounds he went on a golf cart with his significant other and started crying and to me Rory McIlroy is the epitome of class in the sport right now no question no question um I I think (laughs) when you look at how many pots Cam Smith made it's funny that golf always comes down to putting like even when you and me are playing right you could get on the green and if you're not putting well that day, you're not going to have a good score. Yeah. And the, the thing that, you're right, I think Cam Smith won it for sure. But the thing that bugged me about Rory is that there seemed like there was a lack of a killer instinct. Like it didn't feel like he was attacking pins. He was, a, he was far away. Like he, his proximity wasn't great yesterday. And I just would have liked to see him attack. You don't, you don't a think bit he more. felt the pressure? Kid from Northern Ireland. Oh, for sure he did. At but the he, Open but he's a Championship, he's, at, hasn't won since 2014. For sure. Yeah, I, 100% pressure played into it. But, but, but he's the second-ranked player in the world. He has been great his entire life. It's not like pressure's a new thing to Rory McIlroy. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was a little bit more given the circumstances here, but it was just did Cam surprising. Did attack, or did he just hammer home every putt? Like... It was a little column A, a little column B there, too. Right? Everything was the center of the cup, too, which was crazy. It's like no doubters from like 25 feet away. There there was like symbolism, destiny, and it all pointed, the entire crowd pointed to Rory McIlroy winning that tournament. Mm -hmm. And for me, there was a little bit of empathy because with the live golf thing going on and all of that stuff, there's a little empathy for. Rory McIlroy and to stand up there and answer all those questions when it felt like it was his tournament to lose takes a lot. Now, does Cam Smith go to live? I mean, those are the rumors now. (laughs) It's like, just brutal. Just brutal. Speaking of Cam Smith, uh, we did have a TF predict. Who is your pick to win the British Open? And Jeff Cooper, what's up? Cameron Smith shoots 15 under to win it. No, he's a little bit uh, lower than that, but he did choose Cameron Smith to win the Open Championship. So congratulations to uh, How many Jeff Cameron Cooper. Smiths do we have? Like, we had to have a few. A bunch. A bunch. Did we, did we pick the closest without going over? Yeah, I believe. Because yeah. <laughs> it would have been hard to get Price this one right. under Price is right rules. All right, bunch of stuff on today's show. Still to come, we head to Dodger Stadium to tee up the Home Run Derby and All-Star Week. Plus, some Juan Soto talk with both Shai Davidi and Ken Rosendahl, who broke the news about Soto turning down the $440 million <laughs> nice. After the break, big night on tap for Canadian soccer. Canada faces the United States. The CONCACAF Women's Championship Final. We will discuss that. Plus the latest with the players versus the CSA. Next, James Sharman, Tim and Friends on a Monday. Walks it off. What a 
finish. Alonzo defends his title. The 2021 Derby champion put the belt on again. What a show. The next one would match Ken Griffey's three. Cam Smith put on a putting display of historic significance. We've got another mullet win in the open at St. Andrews, by the way. 27 <laughs> years ago, John Daly got it done. I'm definitely going to find out how many beers fit in this thing, that's for sure. Our old friend Sid Sixero made an appearance here, and yes, all the showman stuff, the Ric Flair strut. I asked Santiago Espinal about the pit. He said it was change-up. Uh, the StatCast reading on the radar gun, not available. Below the reading <laughs> capabilities. <laughs>
maybe it's just me from having watched Canadian soccer from a lot for a long time that I'm, I'm automatically looking for the tough spot here. Like I find it weird that two <laughs> of the top three in the last Olympics and yet still one of these two teams will go to a do or die for the next. Like is that not silly that there is an Olympic berth uh. on the line between two of the top three in the last Olympics. Yeah, you know what? I actually really like this tournament because yeah. there's so much on it, right? You've got World Cup berths and you've got Olympic berths, and there aren't that many Olympic berths, so it's, it comes down to this. I quite enjoy it. It gives real theater to the event. Okay. Um, it means these games mean something more than just a CONCACAF trophy, and with respect to CONCACAF, you know, <laughs> what, what is that, right? I mean, yeah. no one says, oh, the States have eight of them. Wow, good for them. Yeah. They don't care about that, do they? Yeah. Uh, they care about all those World Cups they've won. That's what they care about. So uh, I think that's what it comes down to. Um, I, I quite like it. It means uh, it's got some real resonance uh, among the fan bases, no matter where you're playing. And even if Canada lose this evening, um, they can still qualify by playing Costa Rica or or Jamaica in the next best game. So lots on the line tonight and lots more on the line if they, if, if they don't win. All right, speaking of Canada soccer, uh, the men's team is going to, as broken on the weekend, uh, going to create a players association to collectively bargain with Canada soccer. Could this make a difference? And, like, are, are we in a spot where we could go straight to the World Cup while still collectively bargaining what the hell the future will look like? for this team and the women's I, team? I really hope not. Yeah, yeah. let's hope not. I mean, listen, this has to get sewn up at some point. They, they originally tried to negotiate themselves directly with Canada Soccer. It didn't work. They were then convinced to get lawyers and they had counsel the last little while. But the fact now they're coming out and saying, we want our own union means that those conversations haven't gone very far. It, it's a real mess, Timmy, let's, let's be honest. Yeah. A good thing for the game in this country is that both the men and women came out with a joint statement recently about yeah. this. Um, in the past number of months and years even, there's been real animosity between the men's and women's teams. Uh, that seems to be a, a work in progress, I suppose, but they're talking the same thing. The women had a, a union back in 2016. You know, I don't know what took the men so long. And when you're you know, bargaining collectively, you need that. You need to be together. And I think that's got to happen. Um, but I can't imagine it going beyond the next few months. They have to figure this thing out before the World Cup because you don't want uh, this team entering a World Cup in a tough group, still being unsure of what it means for them. And that seems to me absolutely ridiculous. Are they chanting for you, Sharon? They are, yeah. It's a bit embarrassing, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm sorry, fellas. I know. I mean, it's live TV. It's live TV. What can I say? I'm quite the big deal down here. Yeah, I understand that. I've known you for a long time. So let me just ask you, is, is the men doing this proof how far Canada soccer has bundled this? And I know it's going to be hard for you to hear me. Oh, yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, yeah. No, listen, it's a black eye for the sport in this country, the way it's happened so far, why it's taken this long. But the players must also take a lot of the responsibility here. Why this wasn't sorted out months ago, I, I, I don't know. But talking to the former players, you know, the thought of having a players' union was never discussed in the past either. Right. We've seen we're just behind the eight ball and have been for many, many years in this country. But uh, there is a solution there. Um, it comes down in dollars and cents. One party says one thing, the other says the other. Says the other. The players are using the media to get their message out there. Uh, Canada's not going to be very quiet right now. But overall, it's, it's an embarrassment, let's be honest. Uh, it cost them an important game in the last window. Yep. It's still dragging on right now. Uh, something has to change. Get it done, get some transparency, get some goodwill, because yeah. this could be very, very profitable for everyone involved moving forward. All right, so let's get to the event the folks are chanting at behind you. TFC, five wins in 21 matches this year. So they're selling hope. 
Is selling the hope of a trio of Italians something that you're buying, James Sharman? Uh, you know, today the, the key phrase they kept using was the long-term project, the big project, almost looking beyond this season. Right. Bernadeschi was talking about the big project. Uh, there are eight points out of the playoffs right now. There's five teams in them in the playoffs. That's the issue with about 13 games left. Uh, as Bill Manning just said to us, uh, they've dug themselves a very, very deep hole. So this season isn't unsalvageable. It's possible if Bernadeschi hits the ground running, if uh, Lorenzo Insigne stays healthy, gets healthy, plays well. Um, it, it can be rectified this season, but it'll be uh, a bit of a shock if they manage to turn around that much. This is beyond this season. It's about the next couple of seasons. Um, there's one DP spot available still. Will they go for a defender? This team is still being transformed. There's this huge rebuild to end all rebuilds in a right. mid-season. Hasn't been seen before, right? And they're trying it. We'll see what happens. Um, but it's not done just yet. There's more players coming in at some point. If not this year, then certainly in the offseason. So what are we looking at at time to see these guys start hitting the pitch? Well, Insignia is still training by himself. Um, they hope, they're hopeful that he'll be training with the main group later this week. And the hope is that this weekend on Saturday, he'll make his debut along with Federico Bernadeschi, which will be really exciting for the fan base to legitimately good players in their primes uh, as well, uh, making a lot of money, right? The saviors, there's a lot of pressure on these guys. I hope they realize that because the fan base, you know, when they're not cheering for me, they are cheering for him today. They, <laughs> they, they want to see results on the field. And so far, it's been a very poor season. You mentioned they're just five wins in the campaign. Um, it's going to be a big turnaround, a big ask. But if they can get it done, good for them. But it's more about, I think, beyond this season. And that's the difference here, right, is that the, there can be a big project because unlike many other really big signings in the MLS, these are two guys in their prime. Yeah, precisely. 28 for Bernadeschi and uh, Insigne has just turned 31, I believe. But he's got some miles on the clock, but uh, he's in incredible shape. He'll be fine for the next couple of years at least. Um, they have to find a way to get the points on, on the board. They've done it before with Sebastian Jovinko when that caught that lightning in a bottle. These players are actually better than Sebastian Jovinko. They've got better resumes, at least. Can they catch that lightning, though? That's the big question right now. Right. Can the other players behind them improve and elevate themselves? Um, defensively, they've been a shambles all year long. The, the big DP signing from the offseason, Salcedo, has just gone back to Mexico. It didn't work out. So right. there's so many question marks. But it was asked about Bob Bradley. Is he the right man for the job? And Bill Manning said, yeah, absolutely. When we signed him, this was for more than just this season. He was a guy that could coach top players at the top level and that's why he's here so yeah. for anyone out there i've seen it on social media a few people talking about is bob bradley the right guy well according to the club he very much is still that man the chemistry is so huge in building chemistry i mean you got one guy making 10 million dollars a year playing a guy making 100,000 60,000 90,000 depending on where you are that chemistry is hard to build and sometimes the difference between good and great in the mls speaking of that white caps fighting for a playoff spot Charmin, is it clear that CF Montreal with a bunch of Canadian national team members are the best team in Canada? I think at this point it is, yeah. I mean, absolutely. We saw them beat TFC on the weekend 1-0. Uh, they're a much better team in that game, let's be honest. Alex Bono saved TFC in a number of times. Um, they're an excellent team with some homegrown players. Alistair Johnson and the like. Camille yeah. Miller. Yeah. Ishmael Kone, a young kid. They're fun to watch. Georgi Mihalovic is an American player, but is a homegrown player. And they're scoring lots of goals, but they're also conceding a lot of goals as well. And just two draws in the season, eight losses. So, yes, they're a good team. They're a playoff team. They're better than Vancouver. 
they're better than TFC at this point, but are they going to be a contender for a championship? I'm not sure about that just yet. But I tell you what, they're, they're, they're box office, they're fun to watch. You'll see goals one way or the other when Montreal play. All right, let's see if you actually have that power. Can you get them to play us out? You know what? They left to me. It just they happened to just... Had, yeah. had he asked me, yeah. Yeah. even a minute ago, I had no problem at all, but uh, sorry about that. Maybe, maybe they're watching right now. No, Sharms, appreciate you doing this. Uh, we'll talk again soon because there's going to be plenty to talk about over the next couple of months and then leading into the World Cup. Thanks, Timmy. Anytime. All right. One of my favorites in the business, James Sharman, from Real Sports in downtown Toronto, where TFC unveiled the latest of their Italian crew. Mm -hmm. Time now for the headline of the day, and it comes to us from Yahoo Sports Canada, who were quoting a Woj report to simply say the Nets want Scotty Barnes in any deal for Kevin Durant. To which I say, the trade market is nowhere near what anyone thought it would be for KD, and that's why we are here, and that's why Masai is here. The only reason he's lurking around this thing is so that he can once again say to Brooklyn, Let me tell you something, unless the Nets are cool with Durant coming back and playing with the Nets, it's looking more and more like the Raptors might just bleep Brooklyn nice. in some sort of deal. Time for a break. When we come back, we'll try and brighten your Monday with the plays of the week as Kevin Friends rolls on on this Monday edition of the show. Home Run Derby coming up. Shida Beatty coming up. Ken Rosenthal coming up. Plays of the week next. Welcome back to Tim and Friends, getting to the PO dubs. Well, what's hotter right now on the digital channels? The Scotty Barnes mm -hmm. is a no-go for the Raptors to get Durant or the idea around what it would take to get Juan Soto? Well, since we brought up the Juan Soto hypothetical with the Blue Jays, it seems to be the Blue Jays, and we discussed the trade earlier. It would be hypothetically Kevin Biggio, Lourdes Gurriel, the Jays' top four prospects, and Nate Pearson. The Jays' top Four, four prospects. I don't order. need to name them all, but yeah. like literally, they're the four. Right. And Ricky Romero tweeted in, uh, for the record, we all know who Ricky Romero is, and he said... Speaking of all-stars. he Speaking of all-stars, he would, in fact, do that hypothetical trade. Now, it's just a hypothetical, but that's one vote so Ricky for is yes. In. I, I saw the Kevin Durant tweet that we sent out that Scotty Barnes would have to be involved, and mm -hmm. we asked what... There's like over 350 responses on our Twitter account. Everybody loves Scotty Barnes. Yeah. Unanimous love. And unanimous kick rocks because you have no leverage. Yes. All right, love time it. now for the plays of the week. That's right, kids. I know it's a Monday and things can be tough on a Monday, but we have got you covered. <laughs> Wait, literally. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's the dog days of summer, but that's not always a bad thing. Can Peanut do this? No, she, she's going through a rough time right now. She's just, she's just not being friendly with other dogs, not listening very well. Oh. I'm gonna have to do, yeah, I gotta talk to her later. CEBL dance moves look familiar, Jesse? <laughs> me? Is that what? supposed to be me? What? Cut or uncut, dressing like this in public with no Star Wars day and no children. <laughs> Jays and Phillies, Kyle Schwarber to center, George, he's an all-star. The guy's an all-star. Oh, like, look out. Oh, dangerous. He didn't turn at the last second there. 
Yikes. Seattle Mariners on a little bit of a run. You don't win 14 straight without doing things like this. Mm. Jesse Winker. Yeah. The Jays were responsible for their run. You think so? In, in large part, let's say. Jesse, you've seen the flip out of the glove. Have you seen the backhand flip out of the glove? Oh, my goodness. Jose Iglesias. Ooh. Be a hero, baby. You got to teach your son to do that. How about Pete Alonso? Over this Willie Mays or Pete Alonso, I can't tell. Well, My specs are dirty. Offense and deep. Isn't he going for a three-peat tonight? Let's go to the yes, he is. Let's go to the misplaced portion. Cody Bellinger, Austin Barnes on his way. Oh, no. He was going to tie the game until this. They called out the Julio Rodriguez. He did get back. He did that against the Jays. If you don't laugh, you'll cry. Rays Orioles. Watch this ball boy. And then watch the reaction behind oh, him. so good. The reaction's just, it makes everything. <laughs> Same reaction I had. No. Sid Sixero, first pitch Friday. Jays Royals. Now, he didn't take to the mound, but Jesse. Yeah, that's a strike. Ric Flair afterwards? That's definitely a strike. I got to say this, though. Just like when I hit the over the shoulder, Sidney and I can't act surprised <laughs> when you do something like that. Uh, I was surprised when this was an interception. Oh! <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, that's two feet now. Nah, I guess. I guess. Got to have down. Got to yeah. got to yeah. have possession. Got to have possession. Got to finish the catch, man. Speaking of football, AJ Dillon in midseason form. Yeah, you need to pay me four hundred and forty million dollars to be that mascot. Thoughts <laughs> <laughs> and prayers to the mascot, eh? <laughs> Fans and media taking it back last week on Johnny Gaudreau's decision to sign with Columbus for less money, including news stations. And that's Starting the news for in now. Calgary. I'll be back here at 11. Unless a news station in Columbus offers me way less money, then I'll probably go do that. <laughs> Andrew Brown, news anchor. Your ship just came in from Columbus because we here at Fox 28 News at 10 happen to be flush with cash. So, Stacia, tell them all about our generous offer. Well, Bob, Andrew, we're offering you the job of exclusive Johnny Goudreau beat reporter, finally nightly reports on Johnny Hockey here on the nation's most watched Fox 10 o'clock newscast, and our sister station, ABC6. And Marshall, what are we prepared to pay? Well, Andrew, the check is already cut, and we are going to pay you <laughs> way less money. <laughs> now, so we're going to make sure it's way less Wait. money, and we're going to pay you in Canadian funds. That's right, and, and unlike where you're working now, Andrew, we're paying for this. You see the signature there, not taxpayers, so it's guaranteed. <laughs> we hope to hear from you soon, so you can know what Johnny Hockey knows, that Columbus is a fabulous place to live. That's Shots a hard right fired. Shots <laughs> yeah. fired from, or should I say, cannons fired nice. from Columbus. Uh, here's Connor McDavid. He's good at hockey. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. To the open, par 4, 15th. Victor Hovland, the approach for Eagle. Check out this shot. We won't talk about Sunday for Victor Hovland, but this shot, ridiculous. Yeah. Always looks like he's smiling, too. We showed you this on Friday, but we need to show it again. Siwoo Kim. Yeah. Like, the few guys are as electric onto when he gets hot, Siwoo, Look he out. gets hot. Look out. Thank golf, it's Monday. Yeah, there you go. My little two cents. But from the most dramatic moment to perhaps the second most dramatic moment, this young girl has lost her teddy bear. Mm. How sad. Mama bear sliding through to save the day. Impressive. I would have loved to have those kids mic'd up. Didn't, but we did have a little leaguer mic'd up, and it is absolutely glorious. Hey, Booker, 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 Booker. Ah! Why do you have a bracelet? You said that! I went to, I went, I, I had 
to where? To Parky Darky? No. <laughs> to Poopy Land? No, that's Poopy Land. Allie! Yeah. Be careful here, kid. <laughs> Your mom left you. <laughs> I thought we were going to get to a mom joke yeah, at the end. I'm so glad we I. stopped at Poopy Land. So did I. That's yeah. just too good. You ever been to Poopy Land? No comment. Coming up, hour number two of Tim and Friends. <laughs> we tee up an intriguing all-star weekend from Poopy Land to La La Land. That's right, kids. Plenty of Blue Jays flavor at the festivities. Juan Soto's future, the reaction to the MLB draft, and we'll do it all with Shadavidi and Ken Rosenthal. On the way, Tim and Friends goes all-star next, right here on Sports. Tim and Friends, Now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much. Sheepdog's back here. Hour number two on Tim and Friends Full Hour everywhere, which includes plenty of coverage from the MLB All-Star Game in L.A. Both Shai Davidi and Ken Rosenthal will stop by shortly. We'll definitely discuss the latest with Juan Soto, especially with Ken Rosenthal, because Soto, who will be a part of tonight's home run derby, which, of course, you can see right here on Sportsnet, Pete Alonzo will have to make it three straight derby titles while Albert Pujols is back for the first time since 2015 and fifth time overall. He will be the sentimental favorite. Now the Rays, Shane McClanahan and the Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw have been named all-star game starting pitchers. McClanahan will be making his all-star debut while Kershaw is an all-star for the ninth time, but starts for the first time and gets wow. to do it in his home Very ballpark. Surprising. It is surprising because he's been dominant for a long time. Many expected the Marlins' Sandy Alcantara to get the starting nod, but I like the tip of the cap to Kershaw at home. First of all, I just want to say thank you to Snit and everybody that, um, well, really, it's just Snit, so thanks for letting me start this thing. Um, and you know, it, it's, uh, it's hard because obviously uh, Sandy Alcantara, Tony Gonsolin, you could name a bunch, Max Fried, all these guys have better numbers than I do and they should be starting this game and I get that. Um, but all that to say, I'm just so excited I get to do it here at Dodger Stadium. Um, I really didn't think anything of it at the time. I was like, well, yeah, it'd be fun to do it or whatever. But um, now that it's finally here and I get to uh, start that game tomorrow night, it just, uh, it means a lot and it uh, means a lot to my family, and we're excited. Charlie's excited, my kiddos are excited, so we're gonna, we're gonna have a good time tomorrow, and hopefully I don't screw it up too bad. The lineups were also announced earlier today. Here has a, here's how the American League lines up under Dusty Baker. Shohei Otani leads off, followed by Aaron Judge, Rafael Devers, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the cleanup spot, and your catcher from the Toronto Blue Jays, batting nine, Alejandro Kirk, another must be nice. He could be batting third. On the NL side, under Snit, Ronald Acuna Jr., his right fielder, at least in this game, will lead off, followed by Mookie Betts, Manny Machado, and Paul Goldschmidt. Trey Turner bats fifth. Another must be nice, followed by the Contreras brothers. Pretty cool as Wilson and William will hit sixth and seventh. 
in this lineup as they start. Juan Soto's future, a huge story. All-Star week over the weekend. Ken Rosenthal reporting that Soto turned down a 15-year, $440 million contract offer from the Nats. And now, because of that, they are considering trading him with two and a half years of control left. Soto met with the media in L.A. a short time ago. Here's what the kid had to say. A couple weeks ago, they were saying they will never train me. And now, they, all these things he came out. Uh, feels really uncomfortable. You don't know what to trust. But at the end of the day, uh, it's, it's out of my hands of what decision they made. It also coincides with the $440 million, although I think they knew that you would decline the $440 million mm -hmm. given the average annual, never mind. More news, Media Day All-Star Game. Trout announced that he would play for and captain Team USA next year's World Baseball Classic. And hey, Shai Davidi, Freddie Freeman says he is 100% in to play for Canada. And guess who joins me now? From Los Angeles, from Dodger Stadium, it is the one, the only, Shai Davidi. Shai, are you recruiting for Team Canada at the All-Star Game? Uh, I don't think that my efforts in recruiting would accomplish very much, but uh, certainly Freddie Freeman was saying that he had discussions with Tyler O'Neill and Stubby Clapp when they played the Cardinals recently, and he was definitely excited about that, and it's clearly something he's been looking forward to since 2017, and he's going to get another shot at it. All right, speaking of Canadian content, six Jays names tied to this All-Star game. They arrived earlier today, as you did. What, what's the feeling around the All-Star game and the Jays that are there? Well, certainly a lot of excitement and look for guys like Alec Manoa, Santiago Espinal, Alejandro Kirk, you know, first timers here. This is a, absolutely a big moment for them, right? Not necessarily one they were counting on Jordan Romano as well. Uh, and so certainly there's a sense of accomplishment, a sense that, you know, the work that they put in the offseason has started to pay off. Uh, but it's also, you know, a little bit of joy, especially for the Blue Jays. You think about what the past couple of weeks have looked like for them and you come here and it's just a, a big party, a big celebration of baseball. You know, Alec Manoa saying, you know, you pitch in the All-Star game, it, you just worry and enjoy that game. It's like, if you, no one cares about your All-Star ERA, you don't have to worry about that. But in the season, it's on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. And so for them, you know, uh, you know, certainly it's a long season. You'd like a little bit of downtime, but enjoying a little bit of fun and a little bit of baseball levity in the midst of a trying grinding season you know it's a nice moment for all of them if you're going to go to an all-star game too uh dodger stadium all-star game that's pretty high on the list yeah i mean this is a pretty good spot i mean it feels like it's about a million degrees right now like i don't know that there's an spf category high enough to counter this sun but right. uh, great stadium great views great spot and uh, just a, a lot of good vibes around about it around the city. I don't know if your shirt is matching your head or your head is matching your shirt, but I understand it's probably a little hot down there <laughs> right now. Uh, I, I saw a yeah, quote. I mean, if, those, if those two are matching, that's not a good thing. <laughs> no, it's not a good thing. It might mean you need to reapply here. Uh, I saw a quote from Alec Manoa, about, and this is the cool thing about All-Star Games. Uh, one of the first people he talks to is Justin Verlander. Like, these are the little more. I know you don't get into the clubhouse when the players are greeting each other, but, I mean, we can see over your left shoulder, there's daps, there's head taps. Like, the camaraderie of the moment is kind of what makes this thing special, isn't it? 
Sure, because like these guys compete so hard against one another during the season, and then you know maybe there's some guy on another team that you appreciate or you've always thought, hey, I'd like to understand a little bit more about why he does this certain thing or how he goes about doing this. What's that thought process? And this is the opportunity to do it, you know, and uh, especially in this environment, you know, even though you know much has been made about 80 different players being selected to, uh, as all stars and how that's maybe a bit bloated or whatever, but. You know, this is a recognition that within an already very exclusive group, you're amongst the best and you get to be there and just hang out with the very, very best of your industry. You know, I think anybody, no matter what field you're working in, would certainly appreciate that. So uh, I do think that part of it is cool. Some of the energy, uh, it's obviously going to get competitive in certain ways. You know, home run derby, uh, the eight participants certainly want to win. The All-Star game tomorrow, everyone who plays in it certainly wants to win. But this doesn't carry the stakes of a regular season meeting, which really allows guys to let their guards down a little bit and get to know some of the people around them. Uh, I'm going to get into that 80 players and, and what it means to guys and what it means to other guys and who isn't there with Ken Rosenthal a little bit later on in the show. So I want you to try and pull back the curtain as much as you can. I mean, this is Dodger Stadium. This is an all-star game. Like, what are the little things that we behind the ropes or watching on TV don't get to see that you've noticed so far or that you've seen in the lead up to this that makes kind of this special for everyone. Well, I mean, there's just so many things, right? You see some players here with their kids and they get to share that moment with them, right? And, you know, as anyone who's a parent, you would think that, you know, getting to share sort of a peak moment in your personal career, something that at times takes you away from your family, getting to share that moment with your child, allowing them to soak this in, you know, those kind of things really stick out to me. Uh, you know, you played the clip from Clayton Kershaw earlier at the news conference. I just thought, you know, for a guy who's been as prominent and incredible a player, uh, you know, for him to wade into the debate over whether he deserves to start this game or not and to acknowledge that, you know, Alcantara and Gonsolin probably having better seasons than him and are more deserving, you know, to me, I think, one, that speaks to his class, but also sort of the respect and camaraderie players have for one another that, you know, even though this is clearly a moment where Kershaw should be starting is the right starter for this game at this event, you know, he can take a step back and understand that, yeah, there's a... Uh, from a competitive standpoint, he can be honest and truthful about it. So, you know, those are a couple little things. Uh, you know, even just chatting with some of uh, the coaches that are here and them getting to throw VP to, you know, other players and other clubs, you know, that's a, that's a nice little thing for them too. So definitely in, in that aspect, there's uh, a little bit for everyone and really adds to sort of just the feeling around, you know, what a, what a great event this really is. Yeah, we're under two hours away from the home run derby. We just saw Albert Pujols taking batting practice. I think the tug on the heartstrings for Clayton Kershaw starting at home, very cool. And to see Albert Pujols back in the home run derby, also very cool. Are, are you a home run derby guy? I am, yeah. and I actually really like the bracket format. I think that's added a nice little dynamic to it. And they've narrowed it a little bit. Uh, the, you know, some of the previous editions had really dragged. You know, I think the, was it 2008, Josh Hamilton, you know, that show he put on the Yankee Stadium, you know, that was special. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the derbies just before that and after it dragged a little bit and didn't, la or didn't have as much drama as some of them. But, you know, this knockout formula where you, 
you know, guys are going against one another, I think adds a nice little moment. It doesn't get too extended and it moves a little bit better. Uh, and for that reason, I think it's a, it's a pretty good, uh, I've always, uh, I've come to enjoy it a lot more in recent years. So Pete Alonzo obviously going for the three. Pete is the odds on favorite. You got a dark horse in this field? I'm, I'm curious to see what, what Albert Pujols does. You know, I, you know I, he's too competitive a guy that he's not coming into this if he's not thinking that he could do something with it. So I, I don't expect him to win it. And, you know, Alonzo is the easy, obvious pick. You know, Acuna, Soto, you know, it's, it's a pretty good field. And it's really who's going to be able to just endure and maintain their swing as consistent as possible. So, you know, a lot of it just depends on, you know, how good you're feeling going into a into a night and, you know, and able to fight off this immense heat that they're going to have to play through, too. <laughs> uh, Juan Soto, obviously part of the mix here. He had his uh, all-star week kind of changed by our next guest who will join us in, in Ken Rosenthal. What, what was the mood around Juan Soto and, like, is this going to drag out until the deadline? Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. you know, you think about getting the entire baseball world together. If you're going to drop something like that and really hijack a conversation, this is the time and this is the place to do it, right? You get maximum attention. All the players are going to end up talking about it. A lot of players are going to go back to their teams and say, hey, we can get Juan Soto. Get Juan Soto. So I think because of that, this is the sort of the ideal mix in which you drop that and, and hijack, for lack of a better way to put it, the discourse for a few days. And, and this isn't something that happens tomorrow. You're the Washington Nationals. This is a franchise-altering decision. You're going to have to play that out. For any acquiring team, this is also a franchise-altering moment, one that's going to come at an extreme cost. So that has to be carefully weighed. This is not the type of deal you snap your fingers and make. So I think this is going to play out right to August 2nd. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, a deal is doesn't happen. You know, this is can also maybe be an off-season thing, although certainly there's a lot of value for any acquiring team because you get an extra run at the postseason with them. Everyone will do their due diligence, but do you think the Toronto Blue Jays should be in on this conversation? Yeah, of course they should be in. And, you know, from what I've understood, they've certainly at least checked in uh, and and just, just to assess what's going on there. So, you know, like they absolutely should. They have the farm system to do it. They have the window of opportunity in which to do it. And, I mean, he's perfect for everybody, but... He's obviously perfect for the Blue Jays, left-handed hitter, guy who's won, super competitive, pals with Vladdy. I mean, you can go on and on and on. Every team has got a list like that. But, you know, if you're the Blue Jays, you're absolutely checking. It would be irresponsible to not to. Uh, so Andy McCullough in The Athletic, and we brought this up earlier in the show, just to give people an idea of what it would cost the Jays, suggested that it would be Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Kevin Biggio, and then the top four prospects in the system in order, Gabriel Moreno, Ricky Tiedemann, Jordan Groshans, Orelvis Martinez, and Nate Pearson. Is that kind of what you're hearing? Is it more? Is it less? I know this. It's probably unprecedented if they did trade him. Yeah, I mean, there are so many sort of speculative offers floating around. You know, it doesn't, we kind of just like pit the names together and say like, oh, pie in the sky, what is this? Right. I mean, I, I don't know. Teams have 
mathematical formulas for this, right? Everyone will put a value on on the certain players, the players being acquired, the players going the other way. And if you can get to a dollar figure that's relatively equal, that's when a deal happens. You know, is that is that I don't know, I'd have a tough time seeing the Blue Jays going quite that far. I can certainly see them using some of those pieces in such a, to make such a deal, right. uh, maybe even most of those pieces. But, you know, the Blue Jays have talked so much about keeping an eye on the future while trying to build out the present that, you know, that, right. that's the kind of deal that would gut you in a number of different ways. And, yeah, I think that's probably what it takes, something maybe in and around there, but maybe it's less, maybe it's more. Hey, let me let me ask you one last one before we go. Could uh, could the uh, ivory tower that owns us afford Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, and Juan Soto moving forward, and still fill the lineup? I mean, uh, that that's a really interesting question. It all depends on where you're going to take the payroll, right? Yeah. And certainly, you think about you know some of the opportunities the Blue Jays are going to have a, a revamped stadium that's going to be open in about two years or so and then it should be have uh, should have multiple new revenue streams you know maybe uh, you know the Blue Jays probably because of the uh, difference in currency are, are not going to be uh, you know a number one two payroll in the league but should they be maybe you know in the three to seven range certainly could be uh, shy great catching up with you uh, go get an umbrella or something to hide you so that your your face does not match the shade of your shirt I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. There is Shai Davidi in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium. When we come back, we'll get to the latest hockey news and rumblings. We'll get to your feedback on Durant. We'll get to your feedback on the Jays. And could the Jets be looking at a complete overhaul? If it starts with Pierre-Luc Dubois, where does it go? Plus, Hazel May in conversation with Santiago Espinal. All next here on Tim and Friends. This is an unbelievable your feedback day here on Tim and Friends. Jesse Rubinoff has basically been frantically scrolling through tweets that so are fun. piling up here at Tim and Friends on Twitter. Kevin Durant, what the hell is going on with Juan Soto? Could it affect the Toronto Blue Jays? Should they be in, even if it costs them their top four prospects and two players? <laughs> like, there is a lot going on. Go wherever you would like, my friend. Uh, well, we addressed some of the Soto stuff earlier uh, with Ricky Romero weighing in on the subject, and we talked to Shai. So why don't we go back to uh, Scotty Barnes and Kevin Durant? Because the update from Adrian Wojnarowski today was that Toronto doesn't want to part with Scotty Barnes. Brooklyn wouldn't consider a deal without Barnes. And that has uh, the people fired up. SJ writes in and says, Brooklyn can eat my shorts. We have the leverage, not them. Not long before Durant forces himself out instead of just requesting. And pretty good one to get started. Yeah, eat I my you, shorts. I see you searching very, for a button there. Very That's why I'm just hesitating before yeah. I go to the next one. Okay, I'll go to one anyway. Uh, Logger says, don't touch Scotty. Let the Nets lie in the bed they made, throwing money at these spoiled players and now stuck with them too damn bad. I think you can catch the vibe of most people when it comes to Scotty Barnes and Kevin Durant. Kurt, who wants the injury-prone old man? B-dubs, uh, move on. Most teams. Most teams want the injury-prone <laughs> old man who put up ridiculous numbers. We're going to go in that direction in a second. Last year. Uh, B-dubs says, move on. Look how close Boston was. Toronto's roster is not that far behind. If they stay healthy and a few guys improve, which is expected. And Mark says... Do you... Do you sorry. If, go ahead. I don't make the trade if Barnes is the key piece, but also don't understand the hate for KD. He has never asked for a trade in his career. 
and if my coworker was Kyrie, I'd want out as well. Yeah, I'd blame it on Kyrie <laughs> as well, but KD basically asked out of OKC and Golden State and Brooklyn. Yeah. So you don't think the Raptors are, are as close as, as Boston? No, I don't, I don't think the Raptors are as close as Boston. I, I think that, and I, listen, I'll reiterate this for the sole purposes of why you would make this deal and why maybe you would not let Scotty Barnes go or would let Scotty Barnes go. Since 1979, basically only three franchises have won a title without an MVP on their roster when they win that title. Like whether it's a current MVP, mm-hmm. a former MVP, or a future MVP. Only three franchises. The Pistons did it twice, and the Toronto Raptors with Kawhi Leonard, who was basically an MVP if he played a full season, right? Like, oh yeah. That's the o- those are the only teams that win titles. You have to have one of the very best on your team. What you have to ask is, I don't think Pascal Siakam is that kind of dude. He's a really good player, but he's not that kind of dude. Will Scotty Barnes become that dude and take away your love right now? Because Kevin Durant is already that dude and was that dude last year despite all the injuries, right? So if you think Scotty Barnes is going to get there, that's how you get to an NBA title. If you don't think he's going to get there, then you can start thinking about a KD deal. I think if you make it any, and listen, I don't know if Brooklyn has the leverage to say something like that or whether or not they can just woo Kevin Durant into playing another year and then make the Kyrie deal because I don't know what else is out there. Supposedly Washington's making a run. Yeah, like that was a late development Bradley today. Beal? Like, what, what, can you even do that? No, no, the, no, no. I don't think they have the players like the Raptors do. But I just, I think people are discounting Kevin Durant. He's getting a bad rap right now, and for some of it's deserved. He's pretty active on the socials. People don't like him, whatever. You're talking about like a top four probably scorer of all time who still averaged, what, 28 last year? In a team with Pascal, KD, and Fred, and you fill around the, the edges, I think that's a pretty good basketball team. So I, I, I understand the I think the it's luck. the how long and the, the, the disrupting your player development. Yeah. I think that's what people are worried about, but your player development also gets you to the point where you can deal two late first-rounders yeah. and a guy that most people didn't think should go where he was going in Scotty Barnes for someone as good as Kevin Durant. And the discounting Kevin Durant, let me just read to you last year. 29.9 points per game, 7.4 rebounds per game, 6.4 assists per game while shooting 52% from the floor. If you're discounting Kevin Durant, you just don't know the game. Totally, totally agree. And uh, we we love Scotty as much as anybody else. We've said it right from the get-go. But Fred and Pascal are also 28 years old. So you bring KD over. That's a core that has a certain window, right. and that's that. I don't think you get rid of Scotty Barnes. I also don't know if he'll be an MVP, but I would like to see it yeah, come to course. fruition. That would be fun in a Toronto uniform because what he showed last year was some unreal pieces totally. to the puzzle. Definitely. Uh, okay, so we're moving and shaking with uh, hypothetical trades in the NBA and baseball, but let's get to some news and notes from hockey because uh, Nazem Kadri remains an unsigned yep. free agent almost a week into free agency, but we do have some moves to tell you about from over the weekend. The Canadians traded Jeff Petrie to the Penguins for defenseman Mike Matheson in a fourth-round pick. The Leafs signed restricted free agent Pierre Engvall to a one-year deal for $2.25 million. They're now over the salary cap and still have RFA Rasmus Sandin to deal with. Speaking of RFAs, 
The Flames' Matthew Kachuk and the Jets' Pierre-Luc Dubois were among the players who did not file for salary arbitration ahead of yesterday's deadline. And Dubois' agent went on record saying that his client would like to play in Montreal. Which of the NHL offseason storylines is most yeah, intriguing to you? Just stop right there. you got two Canadian teams, Pierre-Luc Dubois, seemingly unhappy in another situation in his young career and his hometown team basically um, in the mix. You've got Montreal, you've got Winnipeg, and it seems as though there might be an offer sheet on the horizon here. Like, that's why you don't sign that deal. That's why you can say, because you're officially now an RFA, mm -hmm. that maybe my client is interested in playing in Montreal, as Pat Brisson did with RDS over the weekend. Like, the Canadians have some leverage here, and Pierre-Luc Dubois is still young. Like, it's, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Actually, when I checked his age, right. 24, right? He's 24 years old, and he'll only be 26 when he's eligible for unrestricted free agency. Feels like he's 28 for some so reason. So this RFA guarantees two years of control for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now, if the asking price is Nick Suzuki, maybe that's too much. But if if Kevin Dayoff and the Winnipeg Jets are looking at this, like what's next there? Like they're there's, a, there's Mark Shifley and whether or not he's happy with the situation there. Blake Wheeler, I mean, like, I don't know if you can deal him at this time. Like, they have a log jam on defense in Winnipeg, and the offense that a lot of people thought was like this perfect mix that could have Winnipeg as maybe the best team in Canada going into last year, now in shambles. Like, it's crazy. It, it's how quickly it turns for both of those franchises, lest we forget that Montreal went from, you know, first in their conference to last. Yeah, it's wild. And you just wonder with Winnipeg, like, he's not, I guess, formally asking out Pierre-Luc Dubois. This but is as close. It's as close as you can get. And then you look at the guys who have wanted out in years past, like the Patrick Lyonnais and the Jacob Trubas and the Andrew Kopps. Like, this is becoming a, a rather worrying trend for Winnipeg, that guys who are seemingly core pieces on your roster want away from the team. And whether that's something that's inside the locker room or whether that's something related to the city, I don't know. But I would be concerned as a fan of the, internet? the Winnipeg Jets. Could it be yeah. the internet? Could be the internet. The internet in Peg Vegas? <laughs> Could yeah. be the internet as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just... So, does Pierre-Luc Dubois have any... He doesn't have any leverage here. Like The Jets don't owe him anything. They can just let him continue to well, play. Well, the leverage might be an offer sheet. Uh, an offer sheet is, yeah. That's leverage. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, the Habs aren't going to give off up Nick Suzuki, right? That seems like it's what the Jets are asking for. The, the other interesting one is the Toronto Maple Leafs and that Pierre Engvall deal that puts them in a spot over the cap that lends to the idea that there might be a deal down the horizon for them to get some cap space. And are they better than last year? Like, No. I don't think that they're better in any way, shape, or form no. than last year. And. There's, like, I mean, people are talking about Muzzin being the cap casualty here. Are they ever going to be in a good salary cap situation? Oh, they, got, they got screwed. It seems like every it, year. But it seems like Ken Holland's done more with the cap situation in Edmonton than Kyle Dubas has done with the cap Definitely. situation in Toronto. Yeah, there's no question about that. All right, uh, this Spicy. is going to be an interesting offseason, to say the least. It's fun to talk uh, about on July for... 18th. Hockey, <laughs> love it. Time for a break, but up next, we head back to Dodger Stadium. Ken Rosenthal will get his take on the Jays' first half. Moreover, 
the Juan Soto sweepstakes that basically he started. We'll do that <laughs> next as Tim and Friends continues on this Home Run Derby Monday right here on Sportsnet. We are about 90 minutes away from the Home Run Derby at Dodger Stadium. Can anyone dethrone the two-time defending champ Pete Alonso? And can the legend Albert Pujols turn back the clock? See it all. Sportsnet starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Meantime, Alec Manoa, one of six J All-Stars, five of them in L.A. And earlier today, he talked about his experience so far at All-Star Week. Pretty amazing. Um... I think it's even cooler when I see them 60 feet away and I'm facing them, you know? Um, but now to be able to meet them and I think the, 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 the craziest thing is, you know, Verlander came up to me in breakfast this morning and said he was a fan of me. Like, like we were walking by each other and he's like, hey, Alec. Like he started the conversation and was like, you know, congratulations, a uh, huge fan of you, this, that. And I kind of looked at him like, fan of me? You kidding me? He's like, you're a fan? I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> Um, I don't know, just hearing things like that and some of these guys talking about some of my repertoire and, and things like that and Pujols telling me to take it easy on him tomorrow. But um, some of it's pretty, pretty surreal. It's pretty awesome. That is awesome. He's got the right attitude, no doubt. All right, let's get back to Dodger Stadium, site of the All-Star Game. And the festivities about to get underway with the Home Run Derby tonight. Uh, always a home run when we book our next guest. Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic and MLB on Fox. Kenny, thanks for jumping on again with us. Thank you, Tim. Good to be with you. Uh, All-Star Game, Dodger Stadium. I know you've done this for a while, but please don't tell me this kind of thing gets old. Oh, no, never gets old. It's one of my favorite things of the year. Everyone is so relaxed. You get to catch up with old friends, not just on the teams or in the coaching staffs, but media people, all kinds of baseball people. It is absolutely a blast to be here. It never gets old. I want to couple what Alec Manoa just said with what I was struck by from your tweet yesterday about the 80 All-Stars, in part because I agree, and I tend to like folks who I agree with. I don't have a problem with the 80 All-Stars. Here's what bugs me most, Ken. Like, I love talking real-life moments with athletes, and one of the things, and we just heard it from Alec Manoa, is the first-time All-Star selection getting to sit around with his young heroes and maybe even shoot the poop with those heroes. And with more guys sitting out because they don't need the money or the aggravation or all of that, the kids lose out on that. And, and for me, the culture of the game dies a little bit. I think we should hold All-Stars to account a little. Do you agree? I do agree, and it's actually in the CBA, Tim, that they're required to be here, but frequently players come up with excuses. And the reason I sent that tweet out was kind of just to make fun of the whole thing. 80 guys, it's not exorbitant in the sense of it's 10% of the sport. People pointed out to me that when there were 16 teams, it was an even higher percentage. I get it. But you have guys backing out, and everybody eventually gets in that we talk about being snubbed, actually almost everybody. So from that perspective, it can get a little silly. Now, but what you're saying is a great point. This is a tremendous experience, and Manoa summed it up so well, talking about his interactions with Verlander and Pujols, and even for the older players, the guys who have been here before, it's special. Verlander is a guy who loves catching up with other players. You heard it from Alec. So... It bothers me when you see guys bail out and 
baseball has tried to make sure it doesn't happen, but you can always come up with a physical reason, ah, oh, my hamstring or this or that, and that seems to be what happens. Uh, cooler for you, Al, uh, holes in the home run derby or Kershaw being able to start at home? Kershaw starting at home, and Pujols in the home run derby is cool. I don't know that it's gonna go all that well for him, <laughs> but Kershaw in this stadium where he has made such history, arguably one of the greatest Dodger pitchers of all time. And keep in mind too, a lot of people don't realize this. 2013, he should have started that year, but the game was at City Field. Matt Harvey was hot as well. They went with Matt Harvey. This is kind of a just reward for what happened then and the entire career. And yes, as he said, I know Sandy Alcantara has pitched better. You can even justify others, but this is an entertainment night and it should be Kershaw's night. Awesome. Uh, we can thank Ken for some of our juice today on the show as he dropped the bombshell that Juan Soto had rejected a $440 million deal that the Nats would uh, entertain trade proposals because of turning down that deal. Now, I know when you drop something like that, a lot of people reach out. What was the most surprising thing to you about the reaction to your reports? That is a good question, Tim, and I don't think I've ever been asked that before about <laughs> a report. I would say the most surprising reaction was not just from certain people in the game, but also fans. Hey, 29 million a year, that's not nearly enough, come on. I get that, and certainly that would have been the 20th highest AAV, but it would have been the largest total guarantee in Major League history, and it's over 15 years. So I can't exactly describe that as a lowball offer. In fact, the deal to me looks very similar to the 330 million 13-year deal Bryce Harper signed as a free agent with the Nationals. Same agent, Scott Boris. They wanted the big guarantee. They were willing to take lesser of, on the AAV. This is the same kind of thing. Yet at the same time, you can understand, Tim, why Soto didn't want to do it. Right. He apparently wants to go free agent. He's got two years. He's going to be a free agent at 26. And the number could start with a five. Who knows? So I get it on all aspects, but to say that the Nationals didn't give a good effort here, that would be a little bit problematic for me. So immediately, all of us uh, armchair pitchers instead of quarterbacks in this spot go to what the hell the trade market would be. Is it the usual suspects if, in fact, they walk down that road? It is, but I don't rule out some lower revenue teams getting in. I'll give an example. Tampa Bay was in the Freddie Freeman sweepstakes. They tried to do some funky things at the deadline last year with Kimbrell and some other things. I could see them getting in because you have to pay the rest of his $17.1 million salary this year. Next year, it probably goes to the $22, $25 million range. For one year, Tampa Bay could do that, then they can flip them. So I can see a team like that possibly getting in, but the usual suspects will be heavily involved as well. All right, stop scaring the bleep out of Jays fans, Mr. Rosenthal. <laughs> what what kind of haul are we like? Is this is this the biggest haul that we've ever seen? I know that um, someone on the Athletic uh, already went through some of the trade scenarios that it would take, and you know, basically the Jays was two current position players and their top four prospects just throwing chum to the waters to see what's biting. Are we talking about? maybe the biggest haul that Major League Baseball has ever seen if in fact they do trade Soto? 
It would be up there, and it has to be. Two plus years of control, the age, the skill of the player. And yes, it would take multiple top prospects. You're not getting him for one top 100 guy. You're going to get him for several of those guys, plus maybe a couple of big leaguers or major league close ready players. So yes, I, I can see it being the biggest haul. And that's the reason, Tim, why it actually might not happen, right? No team's going to want to do that. But in my view, once the train starts down the tracks, it's awfully hard to stop. And I expect him to be traded. Interesting, and you're not the only one. I have a lot of respect for David Aldridge, who wrote a column again on The Athletic. Um, you don't trade Ted Williams because he's comparing Juan Soto to Ted Williams, who many have done. And like my, the old school in me tends to agree with this statement, but this is just a different world that we live in, isn't it? It is. Mookie Betts got traded a couple of years ago. Now, he wasn't Ted Williams, but he was a pretty darn good player, an MVP. And the reality for the Nationals is if they can't sign him for 440 million they can't be confident of signing him for 470 for 500 he's probably going to go free what they want to do is maximize the return for him before they lose him and it kind of stinks listen we all get it right we all want to see these guys stay with their teams but at the same time it's the reality of the business and that is why they have to explore it. they have to do their due diligence to see whether this is indeed possible uh, speaking of due diligence, the uh, Major League Baseball draft goes over the weekend. The Toronto Blue Jays take a guy in the first round who says that 22 other teams uh, hopefully will regret not taking him. Left-handed pitcher, throws heat, sounds good. What do you make uh, of what the Jays did in the, in the draft? Well, honestly, Tim, I don't follow the draft that closely, but I did see that quote. And I liked it. When a guy says that, when he thinks like that, that to me is a good sign. And, hey, it's never a bad move to take pitching. I know these guys get hurt. Things can happen. We all get it. And we all get that the draft is a crapshoot. But picks seem fine to me. Uh, Ken, always appreciate you doing this. Uh, and uh, I know that you got to sort through a lot of the response when you drop to something like that. But uh, next time when you come on with us, I would love to see some of the things that you wouldn't say on national TV because <laughs> I think it would be real interesting. <laughs> Thanks for doing this as always. I'm sure. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. There is uh, Ken Rosenthal joining us from Dodger Stadium, site of the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Uh, Brandon Berea. Yeah, Ber yeah. Berea? Barrier. This is going to be a Barrio situation. <laughs> um, what about Ken is wearing the... a suit? And Shy was like, Shy was wearing a T-shirt or a collared shirt, mm -hmm. and just no, but not a fan, not a fan of the Heat. And Ken is just Ken's got to live up to something. Shy doesn't. Right. Ken's living up to yeah. something. And, and if he has to wear the suit in what seemingly will be eventually 97 degree heat, like it's got to be there now, saw, right? The high, high of, of 97. Yeah, yeah. Like it's 334 there right now. Yeah. Yikes. That's no fun. 97. He waves everywhere these days. Not yeah. good. That's when you got to go with the uh, antiperspirant over the deodorant. I could use some of that right now. <laughs> Time for one last break. We'll get to our Monday tip of the cap and last call with Jesse next right here on Tim and Friends. Tim and Friends Monday, Tim of the Gap goes to Cameron Rogers, who turned in a historic performance at the World Track and Field Championships 
this weekend. The 23-year-old from Richmond, B.C. went silver in the hammer throw on Saturday. This is the first podium finish by a Canadian woman in a field event at the World's Ever. It was a great scene as Rogers took a victory lap, draped in the Canadian flag, then stepped onto the podium to collect Canada's first medal of the competition. And this rounds out what has been an unbelievable season for her, basically destroying the NCAA on the way. So congratulations to Cameron. Yeah, that's awesome. Seemed like a weekend for Cameron's. Whether it was golf or track and field, Cameron's doing damage. One and two, eh, at the Open? Yeah. One and two. Uh, Cameron Young seems like he's going to be around for a long time, too, if he doesn't go to live. Uh, it was a tough start to the World Championships for Andre DeGrasse, who failed to qualify for Saturday's 100-meter final. DeGrasse is coming off a recent bout with COVID, and yesterday it was announced that he is pulling out of the 200 meters, though he will compete in the 4x100-meter Re relay with DeGrasse out of the picture. The American men, led by Fred Curley, swept the podium in the 100 meters for the first time since 1991. And on Sunday, Jamaica, led by 35-year-old mother Shelly Ann Fraser-Price, swept the women's 100-meter medals with when Fraser-Price broke Justin Gatlin's record as the oldest world champion in any individual track event. Is she underappreciated, Timmy? Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, this, this might... Jamaica might hold the GOAT on the men's side and the women's side. And she, I mean, I'm just going through it right now. So that's her 10th World Athletics Championships gold, her fifth consecutive gold in the 100. Uh, she's won more global 100-meter titles than any other sprinter, man or woman. First athlete in the 100s uh, to medal in four consecutive Olympic Games only person with five world titles like it's just and and she had a child and thought it was going to be done at that point and yet still comes back and does what she's doing uh she might be the usain bolt shelly and uh shelly and fraser price goats on both sides uh, I, to me that's one of the coolest uh titles in all the sports the fastest man or woman alive yeah like, that's crazy to be the fastest person on the face of the planet is just a ridiculous thing. Yeah, and it's something that every nation does. Yeah. Every nation Everyone can on run. planet Earth has yeah. someone who runs fast. I I've always been amazed by it and how psychological the game is. Yeah. But there's like the depth of field is unmatched <laughs> That's right. in any other sport. That's a great point. Everyone has someone who's fast and they measure how fast that person is against others. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I don't think this next person is breaking any speed record but one of the best moments from the weekend at the world championships <laughs> was this intro by american-born italian shot putter nick ponzio ponzio finished in ninth place but if you didn't know that he was a shot putter what would you say is this man's job wrong answers only <laughs> this this dude if listen I understand if you're not the biggest shot put fan in the world, but this he's an American who competes for Italy, and he is worth the follow on both Instagram and Twitter. He's just a character, and I don't have an answer to that question, but it, <laughs> it, it might be competitive either. Look, that's how you take shot put to the next level. It's a personality. You need some Spice personality it up a bit. in the game, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, Ponzio definitely... Talking. Spices it up a little. <laughs> Definitely. All right. As I uh, continue to bring up Sprinkle Live throughout the show, we talked about it earlier. We talked about Cam Smith's win at the British Open. And now the rumors are swirling that the 
young Aussie, Cam Smith, is potentially going to the Live Golf Tour. He didn't appreciate being asked about it moments after he won the Clara Jug, though. Your name continues to be mentioned, has been mentioned to me this week about uh, Live Golf. Um, what's your position? Are you interested? Is there any truth to suggestions that you might be signing? Um, I just won the British Open and you're asking about that. I think that's pretty, not that good. I appreciate that, but it's the, the question is still there. Are you interested at all? Is there any truth in that? <laughs> uh, I don't know, mate. The, my team around me worries about all that stuff. I'm here to win golf tournaments. Uh, two things from that. Oh, nice. Dogged reporter, for sure, for mm -hmm. going back to the well on the question. Yeah. Number two, uh, my performance today, pretty not that good. The eloquent words of Kim Smith. You like the uh, pretty not that good? Pretty not that good. Well, listen, the Joe Dirt of golf was never accused <laughs> of being articulate. That's yeah. right. Well, apparently he was going to actually cut his mullet, but then he had this crazy run of success that he's had, including the players and now the Open Championship, so the hair's not going anywhere. Is he going to live, though? He, he, he looks like Joe Dirt. Though, 100%. Yeah. Bang on. Unbelievable replica they're of also, Joe Dirt. The rumors are that they're offering him $90 million to go. He waits. I mean, listen... I would, if I were him, and I'm thinking about it, I'm entertaining it, and $90 million is on the table. Obviously, $90 million is probably more than he would make the rest of his career, even if he's really yeah, good yeah, yeah. on the PGA Tour. Uh, I would wait until the end of the Tour Championship, the end of the year. Get that bag, get, too. Get that money, <laughs> and then go. and Because let's be honest here, the only reason anyone's going to the Live Golf Tour, it's not because of the events, it's not because of the, the foundation, it's not because of the fund, it's not because of, maybe it's because of the private jet. Yeah. Other than that, it's money. Totally. So if if you're if the Live Golf is going to play that game, then play them back. Like, I, I, listen, the way this all eventually breaks down, right, is that anyone who wants the money goes and then we find out if live is sustainable like i wouldn't even be surprised if we end up like henrik stenson is going to be off of the Ryder cup team he mm -hmm. was the captain right mm -hmm. that's and right it looks like he's going to live golf as well mm -hmm. like could you see a Ryder cup like event between the pga tour and live golf i mean that's what everybody would ask for but as of right now they're, they're no not, chance there's no they're, the terms that these two sides are on it's not even close they i hate can't other. see that live can continue and i know they have an unlimited source of income but they're just paying people money and no one's watching, no one cares about their events. Totally. Just wonder if it's just diluting golf as a whole. Uh, apparently I have a tweet that I have to read here. The Calgary Flames have filed for club elected salary arbitration with Matthew Kachuk. This provides us the opportunity to continue to work with his representative towards a contractual resolution. Sounds familiar, can read. Uh, we're moving the possibility of an offer sheet. Oh. Contractual resolution. Well, no, I think the last line there. While we're moving the possibility of an offer sheet? Yeah important where they worried about an offer sheet good player they might have to i mean they can match they got some room but that's really interesting 11 million dollar offer sheet it's a little spicy just throwing it out there i i know you're just throwing a lot of hypotheticals today <laughs> that does it for us home run derby is coming your way at 8 eastern 5 pacific on sportsnet monday night raw we're done kids talk to you tomorrow